All right, we are finishing the week strong with uh, Andrew Ferris, CEO of Equinosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Actually, I have to apologize. I just suffered an unscheduled uh, this, uh, I forgot and I was, it's not, not disintegration, disassembly shock. And uh, my employer terminated my account with extreme prejudice using an anti-personnel device. I must admit, I adore American gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> you you got you to get the right lingo for the, for the space talk, for sure. I love it. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. We're going to get into it. Uh, we've, good, we've got an American on the show to uh, interpret it for us. Uh, of course, that's Mark Michelson, Chairman of Asia, Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Mark, great to have you in the studio. I can reach out and touch you. Well, uh, th- thanks a lot. The two Andrews, actually, and I'm not sure if I can explain that uh, at all, and I certainly can't defend it. <laughs> Unscheduled disassembly. I was watching uh, Chris Hadfield uh, commenting on it. He, he actually thought it was a great launch. Everything went well. I think everybody knows that the <laughs> Canadian astronaut, former uh, commander of the ISS. Uh, but his, his, uh, one of his comments was that he thought that they might have hit the self-destruct switch when the rockets... Stop, when the rockets weren't firing properly, in order to not have it fall somewhere that it might cause some damage, they 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 have a, a, a basically a self-destruct switch that he thinks they probably uh, hit the button on. Well, that. having been involved in communications for a long time, I could have written those talking points, oh, yeah. which, uh, and you could see that's exactly what they were. Mm. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't say that. Right. <laughs> so people were definitely calling the shots on that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe not in the future. Artificial intelligence has been the big talking point of the day. Google uh, playing defense, uh, you know, a bit of a shakeup happening there. They're, they're merging Google Brain and DeepMind. I think they're going to call it Google DeepMind now. Uh, because the perception is that they're falling behind. Uh, Andrew, I, I know you, you've, you've been looking at, at AI in a, in a recent report. What's your take? Yeah, my, my take in general is, is artificial intelligence is being treated as if it is something new. It isn't. It's old as ages. It is simply different versions of that. You know, I hate to think that we suddenly say, good God, artificial intelligence, how incredibly exciting. And because I remember how much I was working for Bank of America at the time, how much both myself, the bank, and my clients in the year 2000 suffered by the dot-com crash, you know, I started smelling the same thing in, in the air. In other words, the excitement of this is going to change our lives forever. No, it won't. It will change quite a lot of things, but it won't change our lives forever. You know, the hype is absolutely palpable. Uh, and that's why I'm looking at the expansion and contraction. And also I'm looking at uh, where it is being applied. And of course, I'm not an expert by all means on artificial intelligence, but I'm an expert on some form of its applications. And it's, it's very exciting. It's very interesting. But uh, this ain't going to change our lives forever. And therefore, hype, careful, okay, hype warning, uh, spoiler warning on, uh, on uh, I was bombarded with specific stock suggestions expecting a 800 percent rise within six months ah uh, come on <laughs> you're not you're not buying it mark what's your what's your yeah, take? Yeah. yeah well no it's it's clearly clearly the center of of all of our interests and i i teach it Chinese University, and I'm a little worried about what my students are going to do. But and the Economist is making it the the main topic of it, its its issue uh, this week, and pointed out that ChatGBT took the bar examination, which I think fewer than half of the actual people who take it pass, and it passed in the 90th percentile, 
which is a little worrying, I think, for, for and, all of And this is not an easy exam to pass. Not an easy exam. Yeah, yeah. But, but artificial intelligence has been beating chess masters for That's years now. True. So it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing incredibly new. It's true. But it does, it does feel different now. I have to admit, I'm using it uh, almost daily now. My kids, are use, my kids are using it every day. My 17-year-old is using these tools every day, and that, that definitely wasn't the case. Well, let me, let me bring something on the table because that really sobered me up. I'm not going to tell you which artificial intelligence I was using. I put in a question says, tell me something about the career trajectory of Andrew Ferris. Well, apparently I'm teaching at University of Southern California. I have never taught in American University in my life. And wait for it. I died. Unfortunately, Dr. Ferris passed away in 2017. <laughs> really? Uh, come on. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to think if I was asking a medical question. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, so I mean, but where, where does it, where does this mean for the markets? I mean, algorithmic trading, of course, has been in play for a long time. Uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, Brian Brown, wrote a whole book on it years ago. Uh, but I mean, is it, is it going? Are there other impacts that are going to, that it could have on the markets in terms of the velocity of markets? Is this something you guys have thought about? Uh, you know, I'm going to talk too much, and I'll stop. I promise, I'll stop. Okay. okay. <laughs> Any forecasting model, okay, which is based either on rapid trading or continuous trading on large data, any, which is initially successful, in other words, it forecasts well, after a couple of days, it will lose completely its value because it will simply be imitated and traded on. Remember, if everybody expects prices to go up on Monday, guess what? Come Monday, the prices won't go up. It's as simple as that. Mm, it's so, in other words, there is no such thing as a good forecast, meaning consistent forecasting. If the forecast is good, it will not last. Mm. Okay. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm making reference to this book, Chasing the Same Signals, where you know he talked a lot about uh, flash crashes, which were happening because algorithmic trading models were all following each other to to move markets in short moves. But I mean, we haven't really heard about those for some time, have we? Did they did they fix it or did people stop using algorithms? No, you won't models? hear about them because people are not interested in telling you about failures. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, quite upset. I'm quite upset about this because this has been around for years. Uh, sorry, I'll shut up now. I'm talking too much. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. I, that's, that's not my area of expertise. But economic forecasts also might be affected by this. And, you know, China just released its, its first quarter data, and most of the forecasters got it wrong. Now, was it because of, 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 of what we're talking about now? I'm not sure about that, but nonetheless, uh, some of the some of the differences were pretty pretty dramatic. Well, actually, what we're talking is slightly different. You see, weather forecasts can be very very accurate, yes. and you can make money using them. The difference is, if you use them, you're not going to change the weather. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty. Mm -hmm. If you do it with economic data, you will change the data. You know, I mean, I'm an amateur uh, quantum physicist, amateur, I mean that. You know, there is something in quantum physics that says that the act of the observation changes the observed. Think yes. about that. Popper, yes, I think yeah. I learned that for first year science, philosophy of science uh, yeah. many years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that people do try to predict with or without artificial intelligence is, is where the Fed is going to go on interest rates. Um, but I think probably more in the spotlight today is the uh, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, her, her recent speech in uh, D.C. Mark, I know you, you had your eye on that. Yeah, I I did, and and I just heard Steve Roach uh, talk about the talk about the emphasis on security, and it's hard to disagree with Steve Roach. But given the toxic atmosphere in the U.S., uh, especially toward toward U.S.-China relations, and as we all know, it's it's bipartisan. This was a this was sort of a a little step away from the 
from the conventional wisdom, at least in the past few years, whether it's going to make a, a few months and years, whether it's going to make a difference, I don't, I don't know. But she said, you know, she called for constructive and fair economic relationship between China and the U.S., mm. which I thought might have been illegal in the U.S. to even, even mention it in those terms. Then, of course, she did talk about security, but she, she also emphasized, which she has been for quite some time, although it often doesn't, doesn't make the headlines, is that a decoupling or anything that approached decoupling would be disastrous for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's even realistic or not, it, it would be. So she's looking looking for some bright lights. And there are a couple of other members of the Biden cabinet, uh, the Secretary for Commerce, who might be coming to visit. China was supposed to earlier. I think uh, the balloons and everything else has helped delay that. But there's some bright lights. But there are other parts of the Biden administration that take a very hard line. Yep. And, you know, and even Janet Yellen in her speech said there's going to be uh, more crackdowns on technology on semiconductors and and other areas, which is not exactly good news for for improving relations between the U.S. and China or for the rest of the world. Yep, Andrew, uh, looking looking beyond the headlines, I mean, does the trade data tell a different story beyond you know passive rhetoric? Well, yeah, the trade between China and United States has increased uh, quite steeply, even from uh, from a low base effect. Yeah. But but what I'm really looking like uh, following like a hawk is, of course, what's happening with microchips. And I'm looking at that for a very simple reason. Hello, world. Everybody from minor to major economies, they are spending on defense. Uh, there is no tomorrow. I don't mind. Carry on repeating that. OK. And of course, a huge part of that is connected to electronics and a huge part of that is microchips. So in other words, the United States being very jumpy about microchips is not so much about China per se, but it is about defense. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I, I know we've had you on the show before talking about uh, defense stocks. We know you're bullish on it. I mean, hey, there's there's multiple wars going on. But will this issue with the microchips, is that is that going to hold things up? Is that going to impact production and maybe limit the upside of the defense sector stocks? Um, uh, oh, God. Look, once again, the major issue with China it is not that it cannot produce microchips. It is that it has been effectively cut off from the tools that make microchips. Mm-hmm. And these are primarily obscure uh, companies in Holland. Hey, in Holland? Yeah, you've heard mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in other words, the places have been told, don't sell to China. Now, then China has two problems facing. It has to reinvent the process of making machines which make chips whilst at the same time improving the chips it is making. Well, it has has a double effect on that. And, of course, the Americans are sitting on the sideline, perhaps giggling, okay, in other words, at at the efforts. I'm not being facetious here, but that's the way the things work. Yeah, I mean, the Dutch parliament uh, this week made a statement about Russia and China being you know, direct threats to the uh, the Dutch nation. China kind of laughed it off. Official statements were like, "That's well, yeah, just exactly. silly talk." They're not. They're not about planning to invade Holland for God's sakes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, but it was it was all about chips. I mean, yeah. Mar- you know, uh, Mark. You know, what's your take on this? This where where Europe fits into the dynamic between the U.S. and China geopolitical tensions? Well, I mean, it's playing an important role, but a little confusing role. We we saw statements by President Macron. And uh, which contrasted with the statement by uh, Ursula von der Leyen of, of, of the EU to some extent, trying to get a little bit of distance, trying to say that we're we're a little bit different, but at the same time, 
uh, same time recognizing that there are real issues, especially regarding Ukraine, which is the center of of everything at the moment. Sure. It's affecting all of our, of our members, either directly or indirectly, even still. Mm-hmm. And of course, the worry is that sanctions might be applied to China at some point, and that would be uh, that would be a real issue for almost anybody doing business, whether financially mm-hmm. or in any other way in this part of the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for all the rhetoric, though, it doesn't seem like the markets are reacting to it. No. This week, they seem like they're not really reacting to much of anything. We've no. had a couple of very flat days. Andrew, I mean, what's going on? Is it just is it just that what's happening in different sectors is washing out or are things really in a holding pattern? It is on a holding pattern because if you were really uh, was, were to put a gun on the head of the average trader, I would imagine the reaction will be is what's going to happen with American interest rates and will the Americans go, will the Fed go for yet another 25 or 50 basis points? That won't go away. Okay. Yeah. And, and that, is, that is boring. In other words, I'm not adding any value whatsoever if I was to tell you, you know, there is uncertainty about interest rates. God, this guy is a Nobel Prize winner, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, we've been tracking it for the past couple of weeks, and it's, you know, it's, it's the number, the, the, uh, the, these polls and surveys of traders. 70% expect a, uh, you know, 0.25 basic hike, and then a couple of weeks later it was, you know, 0.85%. Now it's like 96% expect a, uh, you know, 0.25 basis point hike. Is it already priced into the market is where I'm going with this. Is that, is that why nothing is going to change when they have it on May 3rd if she pops up and says, hey, 0.25%, fine, we all – is it already priced into the market? Yeah, I've got a very simple calculation on that, and that is if you simply look at the rate of CPI inflation as it stands right now in the States, 5%, and interest rates are sort of 5%, therefore we have zero real interest rates, and that is still an expansive monetary policy. In other words, we need to see – positive real interest rates and that ain't going to happen unless inflation falls quite significantly and there are concerns that it will not or nominal interest rates increase. Ta-da! Yeah. Yeah. Very simple. I, I think that's right. Can I, I want to ask Andrew, I want to ask the other Andrew a, a question again going back to microchips. Uh, Taiwan and, and TSMC in particular just reported not exactly encouraging results uh, for TSMC, well, they still may they still increased their revenue. Their profits were the lowest, certainly in a long time, and maybe in history. Is this an issue, or is it, or or is it not? Not really. There were several there were several concerns. There were several issues about that, and that was the the sort of the distant after effect of COVID when the following with the following with the termination of COVID, the demand for electronic goods in general. Took a dip. There was also a fire in one of the factories, but this right. is all story. So, yes, it is distant thunder kind of thing. Otherwise, I really don't see this is right now, as it stands, it is the most important chip maker in the world. My God. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what a baby, as Americans will say. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they, they are expanding production, I think, in the United States. But, but Warren Buffett, Arizona. what a week, Warren Buffett, what a week ago, about 10 days ago, dumped all his TSMC stock on. on Claiming, he said, about uh, geopolitical tensions, but, I mean, that timing was something else because the stock took a bit of a dive, didn't it, after this announcement? Well, uh, remember, for Buffett to really work, he has to make mistakes because if he was absolutely perfect, it wouldn't work. So I'm being facetious here. Yes, possibly that was not the best idea and the best time. I have no idea why he did that. Okay. Well, he's, and he's uh, not telling me. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's uh, down, on, down on TSMC, but big on the Japanese trading houses. Uh, he is. To review some of that. So uh, thank you very much to our guest today, Andrew Ferris, CEO of Econosis Advisory. Definitely not an AI avatar. I can see him in the studio. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's real. Mark Michelson, Chairman, Asia CEO Forum, IMA Asia with me. 